Welcome into the Atlanta Sports Party, your home for the best sports talk, Atlanta sports talk all across the metro. It's local insight that you can only get right here on Locked On Sports Network. And you might be wondering why it's the best, because I got Maria Martin and Jarvis Davis with me today to talk all things Atlanta sports. And this part of the Locked On Podcast Network, of course, is for your team every day. Coming up, guys, you know what it is. We already talked about it ad nauseum for the last four days but guess what we're talking about it again today and that is the confirmation of who's going to be under center for the falcons come sunday we're also going to do a little deep dive to find out does kirby feel some type of way for the information and the rankings we got on tuesday for uga and finally guys we got to talk about these hot hawks so let's get right into it with our top three with maria jarvis and t Maria, we got the word, and you and I talked about this when you let me stop by your amazing show, Sports Extra. Got to check that out on 11 Alive every Sunday evening. And one of the things you asked and one of the things we talked about was what in the world was Arthur Smith going to decide about Taylor Heineke versus Desmond Ritter and who was going to start against the Vikings. We got the word now, Maria, and you were there to hear it all. So let us know kind of what your thoughts were, your instant reaction to what you heard, and whether or not you think it was the right move. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to start with saying, excuse me, I'm going to start with saying that I think it was the right move at this point. If you remember back to last year when Arthur Smith did make the move from Marcus Mariota to Desmond Ritter, it was actually only one week after this week. So people were saying, oh, it was so much later in the season. It's not actually true. If you go back and look, when you're comparing the two times of the year that he's done it, to me, last year was a little bit different because you had Desmond Ritter behind Marcus Mariota. At that point, you had no idea what you were getting in your backup quarterback. Now your backup quarterback is a guy that has 34 games of NFL experience. He's a proven starter in the league. He's played in playoff games for crying out loud on another team, obviously in the commanders. And so Taylor Heineke has experience. Not only that, when he was in the second half against the Titans, they put up 20 points. They were moving the ball efficiently down the field. It was proof that he provided a spark on offense. Even Taylor said, you know, we got the 20 points in the half. It sucks that we didn't win though. And that was the echo throughout the locker room yesterday when I was up there in Flowery Branch. Everybody just wants to see those um, incremental points turn into a win. Everybody's in that position, right? But they were in such a big hole. So they had to climb out of it to try to win. But I do think it's the right decision just because of what you saw from Taylor against the Tennessee Titans. He gave you an opportunity to win. The drop by Van Jefferson on fourth and one obviously ended the ball game, and that wasn't very exciting or very fun. But Taylor gives you the best chance to win right now. And I think if he does ball out on Sunday against the Vikings, now granted the Vikings defense will throw a whole lot of different looks at them. They blitz a ton, so we'll see how he can handle that. But I think there's an opportunity Taylor's going to be the quarterback moving forward. And Maria, I'm going to ask you to keep me honest because there's a point that you made that I want to come back to for both JD and you, but I want to go to JD's reaction, his instant reaction first. But let's put a pin in what Maria said about the potential of what Taylor Heineke does on Sunday and how that might impact the rest of this season for the Falcons. But first, JD, I want to talk to you about this as well because it kind of made me chuckle. I'm, I'm taking us back to... Um, you know, the time when you and I were in the press box and we're watching Taylor Heineke destroy <laughs> the Falcons and we're like, who the heck is this dude, right? Yeah. And right, right. I, he's going to be that dude for the Falcons. 
And, um, you know, we postulated as well, you've been pretty vocal about your thoughts on what Arthur Smith should do at the quarterback position. And now that we're there, now that we're looking at the numbers and we're seeing, you know, 8 of 12 for 71 doesn't seem that bad on paper. 12 to 21 for 175 yards doesn't seem like that big of a difference. But Jarvis, in that game, it felt like it was night and day between what Taylor Heineke did and what Desmond Ritter did. What are your thoughts? What were your thoughts when you finally got the word from Arthur Smith that it would be Taylor Heineke this Sunday? The first thing that came to mind, <clears throat> excuse me, goodness gracious, the first thing that came to my mind was the fact that both of us did that, by the way. Right, exactly. Like, I don't know what's like, it's some weirdness going on today. We're going to talk about that a little bit later. But yeah, let's talk some football first. <laughs> but I think when you look at the situation that the Falcons are in right now, right? Like, they just lost a winnable game. I think. That's pretty, I think everyone can agree that the Tennessee Titans was a winnable game. And, and I think that you're coming into a, a game against the Minnesota Vikings. And the Minnesota Vikings are in a spot now, Maria, that you know, they're starting a rookie quarterback in Jaron Hall. And yeah. they got a guy that which you, don't, you don't have any film out on. This situation seems very similar to what we went into last week. So right. in order for... The Falcons to be in this situation, which I feel is a must-win situation, like you have to get this win against a team that it just looked like they're in shambles. They just lost the start of quarterback in Kirk Cousins. There were a lot of rumors where a lot oh, they were talking about where Quezzy was going to, the general manager was going to be in a situation where he may sell off some assets or Daniil Hunter. We would talk, we were clamoring for him down here. Mm -hmm. But when you have a have a situation where the head coach is in a must-win situation. And he decides to go with Taylor Heineke after we've been sold on QB one Desmond Ritter. Hey, he's 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 gradually a progression. He's 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 getting better. He just got to get rid of the turnovers. And for you to go this route, I just really feel like this has to be an indictment on what what's the the future could hold for Desmond Ritter being in a red and black uniform. Yeah, I mean, it's it's certainly possible, right? I think the right. clear indicator that they still believe in Desmond is that they did put him at number two and not number three. If he right. was the number three quarterback behind Logan Woodside and they would have pump, bumped him up, I would have been a little more concerned. Um, right. You know, It's not a Jimmy Garoppolo situation. Like, hey, he's going to be on correct. the bench and the rest of the year and he can do whatever you want. <laughs> then you start getting worried if that's right. the case. And you, we may see that in the coming weeks. You know, I, who knows? And Taylor Heineke even said to me yesterday, God forbid Desmond may play. He said he's still preparing like he's going to start, which is what you have to do as a backup quarterback anyway in the NFL or in any league for that matter. Um, but he said, God forbid, Desmond still may play. It, they've stressed that this is a short-term decision. Obviously, there's a lot right. more that we don't know. And Arthur Smith loves to say that, you know, there's so many variables that go into this decision. He said that at nauseum on Wednesday, yes. which we yes, totally understand. <laughs> we, we, we get it. There's a lot that goes into the decision that comes with changing your quarterback. But clearly the sample size of Desmond Ritter at this point is large enough. Everybody agrees. You've played enough football to understand at least where he's going. I still don't think that his career is over or this is the end of Desmond Ritter in the NFL. He does have a really high ceiling in my opinion. However, those growing pains have been a little bit too aggravating and a little too loud in winnable games like you talked about. And the fact that they're tied atop the NFC South, it is a business decision 
to do this right now. And I think it's important because of the situation that they're in. If they were at the bottom of the division and there was no chance and, you know, you didn't feel good about any other aspect of, of their game, maybe you say, okay, Desmond can hang in there and learn. Right. Who cares? Yeah. But they're in a different scenario. And putting Taylor in now tells me they are serious about this season and the division. Yes. I don't know. And, and if, again, I really do believe if he balls out against the Vikings – we're going to see Taylor Heineke for the rest of the year. Yeah. I mean, you almost have to go that route, right? Because that's what you're looking for, consistency. Especially, especially if Taylor Heineke goes out there and has a solid game, you don't have to ball out, throw three touchdowns. No. But if he plays, if he has a zero in that fumble and interception interception uh, column, yeah, I, I think we may be looking at exactly what you're talking about because that is, that is a situation where, like, you can't continue to have those mental breakdowns like yeah. not when you're stepping up in the pocket you can't have it by your waist because that's what defensive linemen are those guys coming off the ball low and they are trying to knock that ball out off your hip and you just can't have that and and, and i think that you know being in that situation t like that's that has to be a scenario where they have to be prepared you know going forward if that's going if if taylor's going to be the guy going forward that's what they probably need to be prepared to do. And can I just say something really quickly? I think what's Absolutely. really important to remember about what Taylor was able to do in the second half is the level of confidence that he was playing with. And he actually said that before all of the time that he played with the commanders, he said that he was so in his head as a quarterback. This is what he was talking about on Wednesday. And that, which is kind of what I see from Desmond Ritter right now. He was right. really in yeah. his head, trying to force things, trying to make things work. He decided at one point last year that he was just going to just forget all of that and just kind of play free. Marcus Mariota said that all the time last year. He never actually did that. But Taylor said, I want to just play free and let go and kind of just play like a kid again, play like Brett Favre, who is who who he's inspired by. That's his favorite player, was his favorite player growing up. So he was talking about this on Wednesday and I I saw that from him. You know, he's saying, I'm I'm thinking this is clicking for me because against the Tennessee Titans, he comes in and he's playing like he doesn't have a job to win. And like, he's been there forever. He's making the playmakers make plays and he's throwing things that Desmond isn't. It comes with confidence. It comes with experience. I that's not me thinking Desmond can never get there, but Taylor's right. obviously showing you something that he can help you guys win right now. Yes, I definitely think the Atlanta Falcons are in a space where if Taylor Heineke goes out there and plays well, has a good performance, the offense is clicking, they get the win like they're supposed to win a win a winnable game. I hate to be redundant there, Maria, but if they're able to win a winnable game, like there, I feel like it's going to be a hard sell, a hard sell trying to go back to Desmond Ritter going into potentially another winnable game against the Arizona Cardinals. But, but folks, coming up next, the Atlanta Hawks are on a three-game winning streak. I know I was having some headaches after that. That's a slow start, but it seems like they might be picking up. We'll talk about that next. But first, got to let you know, this episode of the ATL Sports Party is brought to you by FanDuel. FanDuel is the number one sports book in America, folks. If you haven't gone to the website, it is FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's the website you need to go to because guess what? You people, you are not, right now, right now, new customers are going to get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. Yes, I said that. A $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. 
and win or lose. I'm telling you guys, all you got to do, all the new customers, it is the perfect time right now to get in on the action because FanDuel is the number one sports book in America. It's so easy, super super easy to use. You got to worry about anybody getting your information. So that means it's safe. In today's society, that is very pleasing to hear right now. So, And also, they have a wide range of betting options, for including spreads, player props, over-unders, and much, much more. FanDuel.com slash locked on is the website that you need to go to and take advantage of the $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place just a $5 bet. Visit FanDuel.com to kick off the NFL season because FanDuel is the official sportsbook betting partner of the NFL. All right, now, Maria, the Atlanta Hawks got the dub last night, 130 to 121 against the Washington Wizards, a winnable game. That seemed to be a theme going on on, on the ATL Sports Party show today. Uh, <laughs> winnable <laughs> but, games. Yes, winnable games. That's what we need. But yeah, the Hawks were able to get a win last night. And the one thing that that I really like about this Hawks team is that I'm starting to see, I'm starting to feel like I've seen some growth. I'm starting to see some things start to turn in the right direction and not saying that they're there yet because this is gonna, it's going to take some time for them to get fully there. But to you, what do you feel that has been the difference in these last three games versus the first couple? Well, I remember we were, you know, not that we were hitting the panic button, but the 0-2 start, we're like, wait a second. And they were, <laughs> okay, maybe you were. I, I, I was. I wasn't, but, I, but I, I will be honest, you know, after the 0-2 start, I'm thinking, gosh, here we go again. You know, there's so much hype around this team every year in the preseason, and they have the pieces in place. They have a new coach. We're excited about all this stuff. And then they look terrible in the first two games. And so then yes. they're heading into their game against Milwaukee on the road, Dame. And Giannis, and you're thinking there's no way they're going to win that game. Uh, Dame had six points, and they definitely won that game. And then that started this now three is a streak. So they started this three-game win streak. And I think the biggest difference for me is when they were getting out to large leads, other teams, I feel like things started to snowball for the Hawks in the first two games. And now they're letting those leads because it hasn't been a huge difference. Although in their second game of this win streak against the T-Wolves, you had DeJounte coming out with a 30-point second half. They're having players step up and not let these big leads snowball. So I think that's one of the biggest Mm -hmm. things for me. And the fact that Trey Young is distributing the ball a lot and very efficiently as well. So you're having a couple of those guys that we were really concerned about in that 0-2 start, both Trey and DeJounte, who were really quiet. Now they're starting to put things together. I think it's hard to win basketball games when one or both of them are not going off on any given night. Um, And you're starting to see that. DeJounte obviously paying dividends against the T-Wolves. And then Trey, I I know we're going to talk about him distributing the ball, but 30 assists over the course of three games, and he's making a big difference. I just feel like they have a different kind of energy, and it's starting to feel more like complete basketball. First two games, I didn't feel like that. You're starting to see glimpses of what this team can do on both sides of the ball. And that's been a big point of contention for Quinn Snyder. He even said, I think after the Bucks game, that both DeJounte and Trey are unbelievably coachable. That's literally what he said. And that's a great thing because when you're looking yes. towards the future, you need both of those guys to be coachable. And I think that we're starting to see glimpses of this team being better. I don't want to say good, but I think yeah, better for better. sure. Yeah, better. I, I'm with you on that. I'll go with better as well. And I, that was one word that 
that you that stood out to me that you said you said energy, and you know the first name that came to mind, Jalen Johnson. For sure. So when I when, watching him play ba- basketball is a breath of fresh air, Maria, because like I I, I don't I don't want to bang on the guy, but John Collins just seems like there was an issue with consistency with him. You know, like I'm not saying that he's a bad player, but I know that there was a level of expectation that I had for him as a player because he put it out on the floor. Like, if you put it out on the floor, I'm going to hold you to that, right? And when he didn't live up to that, obviously, you know, there were some times where I would, I would call him out. But looking at Jalen Johnson, though, like, he, I feel like he's the exact opposite of that. Like, the dude just comes on, whether he's in the starting rotation or, I mean, the starting lineup, yeah. or he's coming off the bench, yeah. it's the same player. It's the guy, I'm getting the rebound, boom, I'm not looking for the point guard, delaying all the stuff. I'm pushing up the floor. I'm, I got yeah. I got the ball in my hand. I'm swinging it up. I'm making the necessary pass on the break. Whether I be leading the break or I'm actually, I'm running the rim, I'm doing the rim runner and I'm going up and how to go get this alley-oop that Trey just threw off the backboard. So it's just so I know which one you're talking about. Fun okay. to watch. And then and then the look on Trey's face after he did that. That just says to me, it just that's what makes it feel different because we know Trey is is what's gonna get this train going. If the Hawks are gonna contend for a championship, it's gonna have to be on the back of uh, number eleven. And and the way he was looking last night, uh, Maria, I just really felt like that was that's what the difference was for me. Like the, just the energy and, and that Jalen Johnson brings to the floor and how Trey Young is dealing with his teammates and, and distributing the rock. I just feel like this is. This is this is why I feel like they're better better too. Yeah, and you're starting to feel like things are clicking like we've been talking about for so long, you know. And right. I, I think that yes, as the point guard trade does distribute a lot of that and start all of that, but I also think just as a leader and a veteran on this team, it's up to him as to what this team actually looks like and whether he's going right. to get along with the head coach, whether he's going to get along with his players, his teammates, like I think it's up to Trey and you're starting to see a different side of Trey, which is crazy because he's been around for so long and you, he's obviously one of the best point guards in the league. I still do believe that, but Uh, you're starting starting to see him take another level of his game. And maybe that's Quinn Snyder. Maybe that's maturity. I don't know. That's yet to be seen, but you're starting to see things turn a little bit for him. And if he wants to be serious about taking this team past the first round of the playoffs, it all starts with Trey. Yeah. Yeah. That's that that's the that's the big thing. And I feel like the, the way DeJounte Murray uh has been playing, sure. um that, that wraparound pass went oh, up under the rim, that yeah. was a ridiculous pass. I, <laughs> I was just like, and DeJounte Murray just calmly just moved over and it was a perfect timing, like straight form and everything. And I was just like, Yeah, this is that's some some chemistry right there. That's some chemistry that's been built in the offseason. Because, you know, we know those guys reported early, a month early. They came in before camp even um got – they had to report for camp. And those guys been working. And they've been working ever since. So that's why I'm not surprised at all, Quinn Snyder, saying these guys are coachable. Because those guys, they want to be great. They want to be better. They want to yeah. go out here and compete. That's why I've always felt weird when people try to call out Trey Young for certain – certain things you know as far as the attitude i was like man the guy wants just wants to win like i and i get it yeah and and sometimes those guys are a little anal you know either way so so yeah it's been good to kind of see um but one one real quick question but before we move on 
Do you feel like Trey now is trusting his teammates a little bit more? Yeah, for sure. I mean, going back to what I was saying about his assists, 30 assists over the course of three games, I mean, you know he's going to get the ball out, but now he's distributing it evenly. And you literally just brought yeah. up that baseline pass. I mean, how did he even see DeJounte on that play? I have no idea. No clue. And, and <laughs> no me, clue. That, that goes back to trust and the trust that you're talking about. There you know, he's, yeah. he's starting to open up the opportunity to trust his teammates a little bit more. And I think not relying on Trey to do everything is what's going to win you basketball games. Because you saw that kind of in the back half of the season last year. He kind of felt like he needed to do it all. He can't do it all. And mm -hmm. he can start getting the ball out to the right playmakers, which you've seen time and time again. And in creating other opportunities for guys, that's what's going to elevate Trey even more. And that just says that he's starting to trust guys. And he better trust DeJounte. You started to see their connection kind of blossom a little bit against Miami. I think that was kind of the first time that I thought, okay, when both of these guys are working together and playing well, this team can be different. Now, granted, the playoffs didn't work out the way that we all thought they would last year. Of course. And they need to go past that first round. We all know these things. But I started to see the connection between DeJounte and Trey that had been missing. And even just the baseline pass, that told me a lot of stuff. I, I got to be honest with you because he's starting to trust DeJounte, starting to open him up a little bit more. When those two guys are successful, going back to what I said earlier, I think this team can be great. And yeah, of course they both want to win. DeJounte just signed another deal here. He wants to be here. He wants to help make Trey and help make this team be great. I, I'm excited. I, I, again, I don't want to say good, but better. <laughs> yes, better is 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 definitely a, a good word to use for Consciously this team. optimistic. How's that? Yes. Like, the, the, the idea of being cop optimistic about this team right now after that, that, that two-game start, I know it's only two games, but I'm telling you, like, I saw <laughs> it didn't feel good because guess what? We've seen it before. Like, yeah. they've put this type of product on the, on the court before, so... Like when you start to see that it's so hard to like we're human, we're yeah. human. It's so hard to ignore it and be like, hey, I've seen this movie before. It's like you're in a bad relationship. <laughs> if you keep going out there and cheating on your behind, you you know the actions. You know the actions leading up to it. <laughs> you understand. You like you know when you're out there cheating. So don't don't deny it. <laughs> don't deny what you feel. So yeah, I don't want to deny what I feel as an Atlanta sports fan. All you people out here talking about, calm down, man. Look. Hey man, look, I'm a real Atlanta sports fan, so and I know how I know this team. So but yeah, I feel like I'm defending myself against an imaginary person, you but we're gonna keep it moving. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but coming, you got beef with somebody. I know yeah, it's a, yeah, like I really feel like I gotta talk to somebody after after the show. Yeah, it's time like, for me to talk to somebody. I brought up some feelings for Jordan. <laughs> yes, you conjured up some it came from a gut too, for real. Like it's just right there, right there in the gut. But uh so well, yeah, but coming up next though. Got to talk about Alex Anthopoulos is already on the move. Woo. We'll talk about the move that he's made now that the baseball season is officially over. But I want to take some time out to tell you about the Locked On Sports Atlanta Insiders. What is that, Jarvis? Yes. Join subtext.com slash Locked On Sports Atlanta. Join subtext.com slash Locked On Sports Atlanta. Well, what do I do when I go there? I need you to sign up to be a Locked On Sports Atlanta Insider. What does that entail, Jarvis? It entails you getting access to myself, you know, or you might not never know who might be on the other end of that text message. I thought you could text with me during the game. You know, I'm going to be at Mercedes-Benz on Sunday when the Falcons take on the Minnesota Vikings. Guess what? I'll shoot you all some texts. i see what's going on. We're going to be out there and we're going to give you some good thoughts. And plus, 
Also, you might you have access to my all 22 review. I'm telling y'all guys, this is not something you don't want to miss. So join subtext.com slash locked on sports Atlanta and become an Atlanta sports insider today. All right, Maria. Alex Anthopoulos is on the move. He's already moving and shaking and everything. He has signed Ryan the pitcher Joe Jimenez to a three-year contract worth $26 million. That contract uh, includes $8 million in 2024 and $9 million in each of the final two years of the deal. Maria, when you think about what Joe Jimenez brought to the table for the Atlanta Braves, this seems like a no-brainer, right? I think so. I mean, you know, he wasn't used in a lot of high leverage situations. However, when he was used, think over the course of 59 games, it was a 304 ERA. He gave you consistent strikeouts, didn't walk a lot of guys. And to me, in a team where the arms have been the biggest question mark and the biggest issue, you're going to need to shore some of those guys up. And he certainly made a campaign to be able to stay. So I like this move by AA. Uh, Obviously, there's more work to be done when it comes to the pitching staff for the Braves, but this is a good start. And you know Alex in the offseason, he's always on the phone. That guy is busy. And I thought that this was a really good start. Uh, He gave you quality outings when he was out there, and I'm excited to see Joe around for the next three years. Yeah, me too. Um, I was a big fan of his you know, going through the season. Obviously, he had some hiccups, obviously, but, like, when it came down to those last, what, last 40 appearances, oh, that yeah. dude was lights out when he, come, when he went to the mound. So, you got to be able to appreciate that. But I, I, I like the fact that you brought up this whole situation about there are some more moves to be made. I'm on the side of... I'm... Let me just... I'm just going to give you the real right here. All right. I really feel like the Braves need to move on from Charlie Moore. Okay. I know they might not be well, a he popular. May retire. Yeah, he, he may, may retire. retire. Yeah, but if he decides not to retire, uh-huh. I feel like they need to move on because when the time came for the Braves to need that consistency that he does bring th- to the table during the regular season, they need that in the postseason too. And it, and I just feel like he hasn't just been there. Now, granted, he's been injured, yeah. but he's. He's getting up there. He's he's no. Let me say it. He's old. He's up there. So I. So do you feel like I know? I know that was. I'm being real harsh today. Right. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm I sorry, called Calais Campbell old on one of the episodes. So it's fine. <laughs> so <laughs> so <Weird>. with <laughs> yeah, Calais. That's my guy. You know, that's I my guy, him. Calais. Yeah, Anyways. he's uh, excellent. He's such a pro. Anyway, but yeah, Charlie Morton the same. He, he he's definitely the this the same type of guy um, in that locker room, but. Do you feel this is a make or break offseason as far as when it comes to this starting pitching and who who Alex Anthopoulos brings in? I mean, yeah, it's kind of got to be, right? Especially yeah. when you're thinking about Kyle Wright's not going to be back next year. Uh, I think it was the final, you know, all these baseball postseason games blend together in my head. But I think, I think it was the final game where Snit had announced. Uh, I know it was on... No, no, no. I'm sorry. It was their last homestand. So it was it was the DS against the Phillies when they announced that Kyle's not going to be back next year. So, you know, you're going to have to replace that. You're going to have to find a different arm because when Kyle is healthy and he's good, he can obviously give you a lot of quality starts, especially in the postseason. So um, that really sucks. So the Braves do have to fill that hole. And then I do think that Charlie is going to retire and especially just 
you know, I don't want to speculate because it's the end of a very long and successful career for Charlie Morton, but of course. It, it just kind of felt like that in the clubhouse in Philadelphia after they lost. Um, mm. Just in the way that he was carrying himself. And, you know, obviously everyone's always disappointed after you lose um, in the postseason, especially because we thought this team was going to win the World Series or if not, be up there. And congrats. Yeah, at least be in the last series. Yeah, yeah. Right. And congrats to the Rangers. I mean, that's so fun. It's always great when a franchise wins their first. But, yeah. you know, going back to Charlie, it just it did feel like that was the last ride, um, which sucks because when Charlie is in there and he is healthy, you mentioned those injuries, which is why he couldn't play in the DS. He was expected to play in the CS if they were to get to that point. Um, he was great. And he was giving you what you knew that you signed Charlie for, but yes, it wasn't consistent. And the injuries were there because he is getting up there and he is old and more injury prone at this point in his career. So right. yeah, I mean, there's definitely more moves to be made. And I think that when it comes to make or break, off season, you'd like to think that it is based off of how the last two years have finished for the Braves and the expectations that you've had for this team. They have to figure something else out because lo losing in a division series when you were the best team far and wide in baseball that year, it's not going to cut it. And and the the issue to me, you've got a lot of your infield shirt up. Those guys are going to be around for a while. So why not add to the arms? And there's going to be some good free agents out there. So there's some moves to be made, maybe make or break. I I, I lean yes, just because of how the last two years have ended. Yeah. So I think, and you see like the type of effect that Corey Seager had for the Rangers. Like, now, I mean, I know he's a position player, but... Still. Like the right signing and, and what Max Scherzer and trading for Max Scherzer, you know, yeah. at the trade deadline, the right signing. We know, like we saw it in 2021, Alex Adopas has done this before. So I think that there definitely has to be a sense of urgency with this team in this offseason. I think that it definitely starts with that starting pitching because like, and then uh, on top of that, you know, you know, I'm and back in my mind, Max Free going into the last year of his contract. Correct. Yeah, yeah, you've got Max Reed going into the last year of his contract. You do have Spencer Strider back, which is fantastic, obviously. Absolutely. Um, Amazing. But, yeah, I mean, you have to fill the hole of Kyle. That's yeah. gone. Yeah. Um, but, yes, you should be looking around. Max Reed on the last year of his deal. I don't I don't know, man. I see people on Twitter all the time that are saying, hey, I'm starting a fundraiser to keep Max Reed in Atlanta. <laughs> Liberty Media don't need no more fundraising. Sorry. The battery has done enough. <laughs> they have plenty of money. That is not an excuse, uh, ma'am or sir, whoever said that. <laughs> right, but, but the Braves are notorious for, for not paying guys. And, I mean, even oh. Ronald Acuna is on a really cheap deal given the player that he is. So, you know, I, I don't know. Can lightning strike twice? You you, you got away with it with Freddie. You got away with it with, um um, um oh, my gosh, um Freddie Friedman and then uh, Dansby Swanson. Yeah. You know, like you were able to figure it out. Like, can you do that again? Like, do you no. really want to go through that? No. And you already need starting pitching? Right. I don't know. Axel Thomas got some moves to make and he gets paid handsomely to uh, figure it out. So, yeah, I'm sure he will, though. I'm sure he will. Yeah, I mean, yeah, to me, it's just it literally is the pitching. And that that's what you're going to have to add in the offseason. You add the right arms. You get the right guys in there. You already have a bunch of guys on long-term deals that will be here for a while. I mean, the Braves yeah. are good in the infield. They're fine. Yeah, they're young. Absolutely. They're talented. Those guys are fine. But past that, again, I still think it's the pitching. That's really what this team needs right now. Yeah, it's, it's definitely what they need. And I think Alex and Dobbins are going to get the job done because – 
Like he's the only general manager that I hold the trust in this in this in this market. So yeah, we're just yeah. gonna leave it at that. <laughs> Joe Jimenez is a good start. I mean, I didn't yeah, necessarily that this morning, but you yeah. know, good for him. That's a good start. Good for him, and that's a good start. It's a good start for you guys for your day for checking out the ATL Sports Party and making it your first listen of the day. Why don't you go ahead and check out the Atlanta Football Party on Monday? We're talking all things Falcons. Hopefully, we're talking about a win. And you guys, make sure if you don't do anything else with your life, make sure you that you share love, show love, and most importantly, spread a little love. 